Welcome to the Practice X Factor, the podcast to help provide you with tools, ideas, and real-world insights to grow your practice 2x, 5x, or even 10x. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Practice X Factor podcast, where we're bringing you valuable content and insights to help you grow the profit in your practice 2x, 3x, or even 10x. So today we're going to talk about an awesome topic that uh, should ring near and dear to you because every practice needs this and it's cash flow. And what we want to talk about today is how you can increase the cash flow in your practice. And uh, I have created a video on this. Um, If you check it out on our YouTube channel, you'll be able to watch it and uh, outline some diagrams comparing, um, you know, membership plans versus insurance and how you may want to look at offering one versus the other or both in your practice to uh, increase the profits. So, you know, cash flow, when I, when I began reading about this years ago um, as a dental student, it really intrigued me and uh, I have a background in economics and uh, marketing. And uh, I'm a big student of marketing. Even today, I like to learn about uh, marketing and business strategy. And so I like to share those things with our listeners here because um, I really love our profession and I want to help other practice owners succeed and do well and provide a great um, asset to their community that helps their team members support their families, helps the practice owners reach their goals, uh, helps prevent oral disease in the community. And all of this is brought to pass when a practice is healthy. So cash flow is the true health measurement of your practice. So, you know, as you look at your numbers and things you measure, the number one uh, thing you want to measure that shows the healthiness of your practice is the amount of profit in the practice. Not the top line, it's the bottom line. Both numbers are important. When it comes down to the end of the day is, do you want to work for free? Do you want to work for a little? Or do you want to work for a lot? And... Uh, This doesn't mean working harder. This means working smarter. I really think that, you know, the first five to ten years, maybe more, of your practice, um, you're probably paid about half of what you should be. But once you get systems in place and you figure out how to scale and grow your practice and, and provide more value to your patients, then you can actually be compensated you know, two to three times as much as you were early on with less work because you understand how cash flow works in practice. So on this episode, I want to share some things that we've implemented in my office that you can implement in yours to help boost the cash flow. So, you know, an interesting article um, recently um, that I came across in Investor's Business Daily, and it was talking about Apple and um, how Apple's services have been a big growth driver um, for with a company with the iPhone and the iPad, but there's still a huge amount of growth potential in Apple. And in this growth, um, the reporting is going to come through services growth, all right? Not necessarily through new iPhones um, alone, but through services they offer, right? Um, they're getting into healthcare and, you know, cloud uh, software, those kind of things, and that's really going to fuel their growth. 
Um, and it was interesting because, you know, in the article, they talked about how Apple is actually looking at growing their services um, by increasing the average revenue per user, not necessarily a larger base of total users. So, you know, Apple, which is, you know, been one of the biggest companies on the stock market in the world, and, you know, they have an insane amount of revenue and profit. Um, they are actually looking at growing by, uh, with, with less new customers, but offering more to those customers. And that's really a strategy that uh, you can do in your practice to boost the cash flow and actually have happier patients. And that's the key. At the end of the day, any strategy you use should be increasing the value you're offering your patients, not diminishing it. Now, if you're a high insurance PPO practice where you're going really fast and you take every plan under the sun, you can still be very profitable and you should still understand cash flow, um, but you may have a little different rhythm and method for doing it. That's perfectly fine. It just comes down to knowing your numbers and knowing your limits. So, you know, in that type of practice, um, you probably can't, won't, or shouldn't offer lots of high-end cosmetic treatment mixed in with your general services because they're totally different things, right? Um, if you're in more of a high-end practice, then you may have to be careful about how many plans you accept because those can really cut into your profits because your expenses and your overhead are going to be higher. Um, it's tough to do a blend of those things. There are some that do it well, but it's becoming more and more difficult in my experience and my observation um, you know, talking with other practice owners and looking at financials and numbers and forecasts because, you know, you've got to be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, you know, you can be come across as not being special to anybody. So that being said, you know, looking at the, the cash flow cycles of your business, what you want to look at is, you know, with something like insurance, uh, most claims are going to take you a minimum of 30 days to be paid. So um, if you're doing a, a crown, and let's just say your fee's is $1,000, just to make a number up here, and um, you know you take $200 today, hoping that you accept, accept the copayment. Please do if you're not, because that's, that's part of what the insurance companies recommend, but it's just a huge killer if you don't. But if you're taking $200 today, the remaining... $800 is going into your AR, that's going to take 30 days, could take 60, could take 90 plus if uh, there's some hang up, you know, if you didn't have an x-ray or if you have to uh, submit, resubmit a claim, not to mention the administrative costs. Uh, there was a report out a few years ago about how about one third of healthcare costs is administrative, one third is waste and one third is the actual care that we receive. So, you know, to increase cash flows, you wanna definitely remove that third, which is waste. You know, and waste, an example would be, um, you know, a patient coming in for an extra appointment that could have been prevented if you would have treatment planned appropriately. You know, you gotta bring them back in to take a new impression or remake the temporary crown. We all have these things. They can't totally go away, but um, in healthcare, you know, that can be a big a big waste factor, right? And then your administrative costs, you want to keep them as low as reasonably possible. Um, again, they can't totally go away, and it's great to have wonderful 
administrative people. We certainly have them in my practice and, and couldn't do what we do without them. So you want to have those people paying. You just don't want to have a lot of waste in there, wasted time or wasted expense. But with the, um, you know, when you, when you bill insurance, right, it might take 30 plus days, 60 plus. You know, if you, if you talk to people who specialize in collections, you know, they'll tell you that once collections go past 90 days, your chance of collecting is single digit percentages for the most part, right? So you, your chance of collecting becomes very low, right? You lose contact with the patient. Um, it's been so long that they don't really want to pay anymore. Um, you can run into uh, statutes with insurance companies where they won't pay after a certain amount of days. Um, if you have to send them to a collection agency, if you do that in your office, then um, they may have to garnish wages and it can take years to get that back. So it's really just ugly for everybody. Something I suggest you avoid. Now with, uh, with electronic claims, if you're not doing that, uh, you're missing out. So I would switch as much as you can. And, you know, it seems like a lot of these companies are always um, playing little games because we, we have switched as much as we can to EFT, but it seems like every year or two um, they'll start kicking things back as paper checks because then they can pay the claim slower, float the interest, and it takes a while to mail the check, hit your account, all those kind of things. But we have found with EFT some claims, especially on preventative or diagnostic services, maybe your hygiene services, or you know you take some x-rays for a toothache, um, those can pay in, in just a few days sometimes if you ever have everything set up. So um, highly encourage that uh, to set that up. But you know when you look at the cash flow cycle on a membership, plan in your practice um, those are cash paying patients patients without insurance and you always want to check your state laws on what's allowed and what isn't but for the most part if you set up a membership plan um, and make it clear that it's not insurance okay it can be an alternative to insurance but it's not insurance and you have written terms for that and your patients sign an agreement which we typically do a one-year agreement um, with those membership plans uh, then you set up a great service for your patient and your retention rate is much higher. There was a uh, study done, uh, a survey done rather a few years ago, and it was at a, from a home show. And if you've ever been to a home show or a home garden show, you go to a big convention center, all kind of booths from everything to banks offering you a home equity line of credit to um, you know carpenters who can refinish your cabinets to general contractors who do basement remodeling, all these kind of things. Well, when they surveyed after, they found that only 15% of people who attended this convention were ready to buy now. 85% checked the boxes that they were planning to buy in the next 18 months. And I find that very interesting because in your practice um, and in my practice, is 85% of people who come in and ask about teeth whitening, implants, veneers, braces, um, sleep apnea, uh, swap, swapping out all of their old amalgams for composites when appropriate, um, those kind of things. You know, a lot of them kind of have an 18-month time frame, right? And if you jump in too quick and get too aggressive, you can break the trust that you've built with your patient and lose them. And so you want to be careful of that. And, and it also is very expensive to acquire new patients in your practice. It's the most expensive thing you do. 
you know, is, is marketing and acquiring and establishing a new patient because it requires a lot of labor from your team. It requires marketing costs up front. It requires management costs. And um, it requires ongoing, you know, communication. And so it's very expensive. So it's better to retain your patient um, and, and you can really see your profits soar from that. And you have happier patients because when patients switch from practice to practice to practice, that's, again, there's a lot of waste that goes into that. But also, they'll get five different treatment plans from five different offices, and it confuses the public. And I think it's a, a disservice we do uh, to our patients when that happens because when people are confused, what do they typically do? Nothing, right? So if they have cracked teeth with decay and they get five different opinions that you know probably are from five offices who are all well-intentioned and, and, and well-meaning, I don't know many dentists who are you know, I look at as dishonest or people I wouldn't trust. You know, my class of 100 dental students, I would say, you know, 98 to 99% in there, uh, I would trust if I had a toothache and I needed them to take care of it or look at it, right? And um, a lot of those I'm not in contact with regularly, so I don't know them as well. So that could be even as high as 100%, right? But I just don't know many uh, dentists who intentionally are out to, you know, steal from people or, or do wrong. Hang tight. We'll jump right back into the podcast after this quick update from our sponsors. Are you looking to grow your patient case acceptance and collections, but tired of the big fees from some of the major finance companies? Now there's a fantastic alternative solution with a trusted partner that your patients know and trust. Mountain America Credit Union offers fantastic patient financing programs with a quick and easy finance application that lets you control the terms and benefits of the plan. We've been using Mountain America for months now and have had fantastic results for our patients with large restorative and implant cases. To learn more, visit macu.com. What happens, unfortunately, is ethics get compromised when things like insurance comes in and pain comes in and payment plans and all these different variables that you have to balance. And so when you work to maintain your patient, you're going to prevent more root canals. You're going to help patients save their teeth longer. You're going to help people be more confident with their smile. You're going to improve their overall health. So it really makes a big difference. So the cost, you know, uh, that I look at of dentistry, bang for your buck is one of the best things around. I mean, you know, if someone has a toothache and they come into your office for, you know, $100 to $500 to maybe get uh, an evaluation and some x-rays or maybe have an infected tooth removed, you know, you compare that to what they would pay at the emergency room, they were, they're probably not walking out of there for a bill less than $1,500 or $3,000 to get a CT scan and a whole bunch of tests done and then a prescription for antibiotics only to be told, hey, you need to go find a dentist. So um, I think we have a responsibility to keep our emergency rooms clear for, you know, life-threatening medical procedures um, and also reduce the cost to our patients and improve their health and expose them to the least amount of, you know, medications that can be avoided. Um, you know, when you see problems with C. diff and antibiotic resistance and those kind of things, we can really do a big service to our patients by doing that. 
So, you know, when you when your profits increase in your practice, that should be done because you're saving your patients more, you're giving more value than you're receiving in new collections into your account. Um, we uh, use something we call the collections growth formula. And uh, you can find this, um, there, there's a chapter about it in the book we put out recently. But um, if you're listening to this and, uh, and you haven't seen the video online, you can also um, write this down as well. But we call this the, co- the collections growth formula. And what the collections growth formula is, is it's really a way for you to accelerate the uh, cash coming into your practice. And so the formula works a little bit like this. We say that the best team member experience plus the best patient experience plus repeatable systems. So you add those three together, the best team experience, the best patient experience, and repeatable systems, and you multiply that by marketing velocity. What do I mean by marketing velocity? That's simply just deployment of you sharing with your patients and your community what you have to offer, what makes you unique. And that's what equals the rate of your collections growth. So the faster you can increase any of those variable numbers in there, or hopefully multiple at the same time, the faster your practice grows. You know, I I like to say is I don't know any one single way to grow the collections or grow my practice, but I know about 131 ways that do work. And I I had this discussion recently with, um, you know, one of our hygienists, but we were talking about, uh, you know, implementing some new oral health home hygiene tools for our patients, you know, and, and what came up was, well, you know, does this one work better or does that one, right? And, and it may have been, you know, what should they use at home versus what should we use in the office, right? And the, you know, what came out from it was, you know, I stated my experience as if someone's high risk, you know, if they have really advanced gum disease and there's a higher chance they lose their teeth, I don't know one single thing that's going to prevent them from losing their teeth. But I know about 10 things that we can uh, give to our patients and do for them in the office, which might be, you know, an electric toothbrush and scaling and root planing and a new mouth rinse and some type of local antibiotic use and maybe a water pick and maybe some fluoride trays. And anyway, a whole bunch of things. So we kind of talked about, hey, if, if we offer this to our patient, um, as, as a package, that gives them a lot better chance because we know not everybody's going to resonate as well with all 10 of those things, right? Some people are going to be really excited about electric brush. Other people are going to say, well, I probably won't use that. I'll stick with my manual brush, but I really want to use um, this new gum you gave me and this new mouth rinse, right? And so by doing so, you spread the net further and you can help more people, right? Patients don't like to be uh, test subjects. They don't like to feel like they're in a lab. So, uh, to me is if we just test one little thing out on our patient at a time um, for them to do at home and then report back on it every three or six months, we're doing them a disservice because their gum health is only worsening. So I would never suggest over-treating, but I'm talking about specifically, you know, tools you arm your patients with to be able to use and maybe frequency of visits in the office and all those kind of things to make sure that they're getting the best Um, you know, the best options possible. So uh, the same goes for 
the collections growth in your practice is to really make that happen is you need to be doing multiple things at once and they're not all going to work. You're going to fail at some things and that's okay. Um, so uh, you don't want to, you don't want to fail clinically, right? We want to have a high success rate. If anything, we do clinically 90 to 99%. But when it comes to testing out new systems and strategies and marketing your office, it's okay to have a much lower percent because you're, you're finding ways to make the service better in your practice. Um, and, you know, I know that you, as a listener, you don't want an average practice or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast because the people who listen to this, the people who share and the people who contribute and the people who comment uh, are people who want to be above average and do better. Um, and so the, you know, the, the key here is that, as I mentioned, you know, the 85% who often want to buy 18 months later, Harvard Business Review did some studies and they show that if you just retain 5 to 20% or so of your patients, your profits can go up by 50 to 100% because those few extra patients you keep around can be some of the, the biggest, you know, and best cases in your office. We had um, a couple just last week where um, on an afternoon we were getting close to finishing up and being done with patients, we had two emergencies come in and combined, uh, you know, treatment plans uh, were, are going to be in the five, you know, five figure treatment plans. And we would have missed out on that if we would have turned them away. And most importantly is they knew we were doing them a big service because we got them out of pain. We got them taken care of. We helped them avoid a miserable week or weekend, uh, an extra trip to the ER, all these kind of things. Now, you know, those two that came in, uh, one's ready to, you know, get a whole bunch of treatment done soon. She's got a lot of problems, and missing most of her teeth. And, and you've seen patients like this. Well, she's ready to move, right? The other one, it, it may be six or 12 or 24 months, but that's okay. Um, you know, we, the, the most important metric we measure um, from the, the Pinecrest Practice Growth Philosophy is retention, right? Retention of patients. And that's not retention of patients who are not a good fit for you or patients who can't keep their appointments. This is retention of people who they're not ready to, to bite off more than they can chew, no pun intended, but they're, you know, they're ready. They're going to be ready in the future. And they just want to know that you care about them and that you're not there just to take their money and, and it'll make a big difference. So, you know, you have, you have three sources of, of income in your practice. You have new patients paying today, you have existing patients paying today, and then you have your receivables, which would include insurance and payment plans. So those three um, are where your new collections are going to come from. And you can either you know, push for more new patients, you can offer more valuable services to your existing patients, and you can collect things faster and better from your receivables. Again, you know... Uh, if I were just to focus on one of those things only and neglect the other two, the growth rate would be a lot slower or probably just stagnant. But if I work on all three of them and, and maybe, you know, on a quarterly basis, you put extra focus on one of those, but you need to have someone on your team working on all of those at all times, your growth rate's going to be a lot faster. So, you know, through the pandemic, it was interesting because, uh, you know, we had six or so weeks where, 
we were limited on the procedures we could do. And then right after we hit um, our biggest um, production month followed by our biggest collection month ever. And, and, you know, many of you may have experienced similar things where there was this pent up demand, but right now it's such a great time for dentistry because people are so tuned into infection and health and avoiding problems. And there's still plenty who are not comfortable coming to the dentist. But, uh, you know, the ADA's recent reports showed that less than 3% of hygienists and less than 1% of dentists tested positive for COVID. And, and I think that's great. And wherever you fall on the mask, uh, you know, your, your belief on what masks are, um, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, I have my opinion, you have yours, so does everybody. But, you know, to me, it's uh, great because, you know, in dentistry, we've had good infection control protocols in for many years. Uh, we wash our hands, you know, surfaces are wiped down, we have things autoclaved. To me, dental practices are really safe places for our patients, not just through COVID, but, you know, through through everything, any disease, cold and flu season, um, you know, and, and this is helping us tune a little bit more, but it's such a great time to be offering your patients great dental care because people are very, very interested right now. You know, people are at home a lot, so we joke in the office that uh, our patients are more excited to come to the dentist than they've been in their whole life because it gives them a, a legitimate excuse to leave the house, you know, especially people who are working at home. Um, and, you know, such a great opportunity. Um, you know, the classic author, Napoleon Hill, uh, who wrote Think and Grow Rich, he was an advisor to President Roosevelt. He did a study of, you know, the most successful um, business owners and, he uh, stated in, in one of his books, he says, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is, although, you know, the pandemic has brought some challenges, I think the fear of the pandemic and what might happen or what's happened in the past is a, a really big distraction to you and your team if you let it be but you don't have to choose it to let it be. You know, we, uh, we, we just had um, our biggest collections month ever last month, so we beat out our previous goal from during the pandemic. And I attribute that to a great team and, and using that, you know, collections growth formula, right, is we're, we're continually refining repeatable systems, which include collections, payment plans, billing. Um, we're always adding great new team members. We're continually... Uh, motivating and thanking and uh, asking for referrals from our best patients and we occasionally weed out the the patients who are not a good fit for us you know we call them bad patients they're not bad people they just aren't the best fit for us and you're going to have those in your practice as well Um, there's nothing that says you need to be everything to everybody because if you do that you're going to lose your place and you know that's not to me that's not a way to build a dental practice that's really good at something you know you got to find those things you really love to do that you're efficient at you're good at that are consistent that's where you're going to see the most uh, profit so one you know one exercise i would recommend you do this week is uh, list out maybe the top 10 or 15 procedures you do most commonly in your office and you can most practice management softwares can run a simple report ours shows like a pie chart that kind of breaks down 
by by codes, you know, procedures. Um, but take those and look at the ones that are the most profitable and the least. And when you look at the ones that are the least, you need to figure out how to either make them profitable or drop them. Okay, there's nothing wrong. There's no shame in saying, hey, we don't do XYZ procedure anymore, but here's a great office we'll refer you to that can do that. There's no shame in that because it's going to make you better at the ones you like to do. And then the ones that on the higher end of your profit scale, figure out how to do more of those. So that's where you can afford to do more marketing, especially internal. Internal marketing is cheap compared to external. So use those tools um, you know, to, to figure out where the profit is. And then you can boost your cash flow cycles. Now, um, in, in our practice, we are insurance friendly but we don't make decisions based on insurance. So we always offer our patients the best options, let them choose um, whether insurance covers something or not. But where we really found success is through our membership patients. And um, you know, it's interesting because when we run reports, um, we find that about um, 80% of our patients who are, are just top-notch top shelf, A-list patients, we call them, are, are self-pay patients. And um, almost all of them, if not all of them, are on membership plans. So with membership plans, you get paid today. There's no exclusions. Um, you can you can set the terms. And the cool thing is, is that, you know, you can add valuable services to those that um, you can share with your patients that you don't have to discount down, you can value up. To me, valuing up is a much better recipe because when you discount down, you're playing the game that everybody else is playing. Won't be too long if they haven't already before Walmart shows up on your block with a dental office. And if you want to compete there, by all means, go for it. But uh, this isn't the way you'll be doing it. Um, If you want to do something different, and be different than Walmart and be apples and oranges, to me, that's the better path to take. And that's uh, no disrespect to uh, what Walmart's going to do with dental practices. That's not a you know disrespect to Amazon or any other big company that has so much power. I just don't want to play there because I don't have this, the size to do that. I want to do something different and be different. And where I see a huge mistake uh, for practices that do offer membership plans is they'll just offer a flat rate discount. And I would be cautious with that. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to set your fee or how to do it, but offering just a flat rate is a dangerous game because you're really just starting to look like an insurance plan. And at that point, why would your patient not just go get an insurance plan? But when you can offer valuable services, especially those that insurance do not cover, as a benefit to your membership plan. Now you've created something unique and different. You can cut out the middleman. You can still accept insurance if you would like. You may get to the point where your membership base is so deep that you don't need insurance anymore. And then you can offer payment plans. And, and you know, when we uh, started offering a few different types of flexible payment plans, our case acceptance went up 25 to 50% in just a short, short time. And you can do the same thing. And um, by offering that, you know, your patients understand that you care about them and that you're willing to work with them. And, you know, the average uh, car payment 
in the U.S. today is around $400. Um, and for a used car, I think it's around $550 for a new car. So those are just some guidelines that may be helpful for you when you're setting payment plans to know that that's, that's a range where people are comfortable with. So you can look at the type of services or, or offerings that you have um, with your dentistry and looking at, hey, how could we make something fit in that range? Because that's a range people may be more comfortable with. So in, in closing thought on this, um, you know, this is a topic that I have a lot of fun with. Uh, I have a lot of fun sharing this with other practice owners and dentists and, and helping them understand how much it's helped change the way I practice and helped us grow and how you can do the same. So if you have uh, questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can either go to our YouTube channel and comment, um, or you can visit our website, yourpracticegrowth.com, and uh, we can share more with you tips. Um, we also have a blog on there that you can um, comment on, and um, I do respond to all of those comments personally and individually. So I'd love to hear your feedback. And until next time, thanks for listening. For more growth tools and to unlock access to weekly practice building tips, visit yourpracticegrowth.com and subscribe to our free weekly email today.